special announcement to make on Father's Day today. I think this is a very good day. This is in the very beginning stages. And uh, no, we're not having another child, so y'all can relax. Uh, (laughs) But uh, this is in the very beginning stages. But we all know uh, Brother McDaniel's love for the Philippines. And uh, he went over there and spent a few months over there building a building for the glory of God. And went on, I don't know how many missionary trips to the Philippines alone. And uh, I've been thinking about this sometime in this past week. Uh, I kind of got things to moving on this. And so um, we have come up with an idea. And we already have the money together to do so. And uh, we are building, going to build and um they have bought a piece of property on Mindanao, and uh, they are building a campground, and we are going to build a tabernacle in honor of Brother and Sister McDaniel, and we're so glad about that. The church, of course, our church is a very big part of that. The church in Stuttgart is also a part of that. And the church that Brother McDaniel pastored for 40 years in Vider, Brother Bullock and his church is also a big part of that. And we're so thankful that we've been able to get together to see this happen and get this started. And uh, I wish on that note, Brother McDaniel, I wish you a great, happy Father's Day. And this is the best Father's Day present I believe that we could give you. We love and appreciate Brother and Sister McDaniel and so honored that they have been part of this church for the last few years and uh, thank them so much. And also I would like to give honor to a great man in my life that has been a father figure to me and uh, I lost my father back in 1999 which seems like a long time ago and then it seems like just yesterday. And uh, But I married into a wonderful family, and uh, they accepted me, and uh, I appreciate my father-in-law that has been a father to me, and uh, loved me, and cared for me, and helped me, and taught me so many things about uh, pastoring, and about people, and uh, had the faith and the confidence in me to allow me the opportunity to pastor this wonderful church. I congratulate you and thank you, Brother Duplessis, and wish you a very happy Father's Day. We are, we are so very glad that he is feeling better this morning. He has been very sick. We've been very concerned about him and uh, glad that he is doing better today. We've been missing those uh, mornings together drinking coffee. Of course, I've been sick. He's been sick. Mother-in-law's been sick. Parker's been sick. And, and uh, my wife is trying to get sick, but we're trying to keep her from it. And uh, But we're so thankful for uh, God's touch and helping him and glad he's able to be here today and uh, glad to see everyone else. I know this. Uh, I don't know if it's the summertime flu, the summertime croup or whatever they want to call it. Whatever it is, it's not welcome and I don't like it. And we want it to go back from the pits of hell from whence it came. Can I get a amen? amen? Praise God. And so Mother's Day and Father's Day are a lot alike and then they on on one hand and then they are totally opposites. You can tell today uh I, I come out we come out from eating, I said I looked at the parking lot, I said a little bit different from Mother's Day. Mother's Day we couldn't hardly get everybody's vehicle parked. The building was packed out, I said, but on Father's Day I think they all go to the lake and go uh some of them go to the mall. That's what the danger is of talking in church. When the preacher's talking to you, you're not hearing him. 
<laughs> Some go to the mall and, and uh, different things in life, but uh, I'm glad that all of you have come to the house of God today. And I think the greatest place that you will ever carry your children uh, in this world is to the house of God. Although there's a lot of important things that we do, let's make the house of God of the utmost importance in all of our lives and be what God has called us to be. Man, we had such a great breakfast this morning while I was eating. I told the men over there, I said, you know, I'm really not going to be hungry. I've got to cook after I got to get through today. And, uh, but I've got to work up an appetite before I, I can eat again. And so I figure after a couple of hours of ministering the gospel to you, we'll all be ready to eat again. But, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, there's a couple of reasons why. And, uh, we won't get into that. Glad my wife could show up this morning for Father's Day. Glad that you came. And, uh, Brother Landon, good to have you in church today also. Brother Landon come by me this morning and I was sitting there eating. He said, how you doing, Brother Glover? <laughs> Brother Glover, I'm not sure if that was a compliment or that I'm really getting old in life. But anyway, good to see you, Brother Landon. Glad you could make it this morning. But we are so glad for the goodness and the mercy of God. We've got so much to be excited about. And uh, I, I think as I look in the world today, and we are living in challenging times, we are living in troubled times, but God has called us for such a time as this, because He knew that we were able, He knew that we are well equipped, and we are the people of this generation. So we might as well take what we've got and do what we can with what we got while we can, and let's do it for God. Amen. Can I get a witness to the glory of God? Let's all stand today. Turn to Genesis chapter number 6. You notice I'm starting in the very first book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 6. There's a bunch of them to come after that. Genesis chapter 6. And um, let's look at, uh, let's see here. Verse number 13, or let's go to verse number 8 first. This is very important. Let's look at the Word of God here. It says, but Noah, everybody said, but Noah, found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I want to take, I want you to pay very close attention to this phrase here, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Verse number 13. We're going to look at the very first part of verse number 13. And God said unto Noah. Everybody say, and God said unto who? Who? God said unto Noah. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's lift our hands and ask God to help us today. God, we are depending on you. Our faith, our confidence, our trust is in you. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us today. We thank you, God, for all the wonderful fathers that are in this house today. Thank you for the wonderful children that you have given us, God. We pray that you would anoint your word, that you would anoint your messenger, that you would anoint us to hear, to receive, and to respond to your word. Everybody said in Jesus' name, let's clap our hands unto the Lord. With that clap, lift your voice. Give God praise. Give God glory. Give God honor because he is a great God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord bless you, you may be seated. The Bible said, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning on this Father's Day about being a man like Noah. Being a man like Noah. You know, there's... When you, when you think about Noah and when the word, the name Noah comes up and you think about Bible characters, what is the first thing you think about 
Noah built an ark. That's the first thing that comes to our mind. That's the first thing that, that we get a picture of in our mind's window. But there are some other things that I think in looking at Noah's life that are very incredible. Although building an ark was an incredible event. It was an incredible uh, thing that, that Noah did. And... Um, but there are some other things I think that is overlooked in Noah's life. Now, when we think about Abraham, when we think about Abraham, what is some of the things? There's many things I know that would come to your mind, but I will help you out on this. But Abraham was known as the father of the faithful. That, that, that lets us know that when we think about Abraham, we think about a man that that had a walk with God. We think about a man that had a promise of God. We think a man that, that went over and everywhere his foot would touch the ground, that he was claiming that and God would give it to him. But then also a man that was called the father of the faithful. He was the father of Israel. He was the father of nations, not just one nation, but nations, just like uh, God had promised him and God had uh, told him that was going to happen. Surely those things has been fulfilled. But when we think about different ones in the Bible, you think about, uh, you think about Samson, you think about his strength. Lots of times you think about more of his failure than you do his accomplishments because it seemed like everything that Samson accomplished, uh, that the Bible tells us about it was all to do with his self-gratification and to help self. And he never fulfilled the promise that God uh, had placed in his life for the things that he had called him to do. To be a leader, to be a deliverer of his people. So uh, there is so many people, when we think about David, we think about David as being the greatest king of all time over the children of Israel. But when we think about these different these different heroes in the Bible, uh, automatically things start coming to our mind. And when I go back to Noah, and we all say Noah, the very first thing that comes to our mind is ark. Noah and the ark. It's never just that we're going to study about Noah, it's that we're going to study about Noah and the ark. Uh, in in uh, Sunday school, that's the way it was. We never knew Noah existed by himself, but we knew that Noah and the ark just kind of went hand in hand. If you see Noah, you think of ark. If you see an ark, you think of Noah. It just goes hand in hand. But there's some things I want to bring out to you today about Noah's life that, that really I think has been overlooked, uh, so many times when we, when we talk about Noah and the great accomplishments of Noah. But I want to look at Noah's life, some things that are untold stories in the Bible, uh, that the Bible does not give us moment by moment and definition by definition, but there's some things that we just read into the Bible. But the Bible gives us great indication that Noah was not just an ark builder, and Noah was not just a righteous man in a sinful society, in a sinful world, but Noah was an incredible father to his children. And he was an incredible leader to his daughter-in-laws. How many has ever tried to convince somebody? That can be very difficult at times. But I, I look at Noah's life and the Bible starts out by telling us that Noah found grace. It was not Noah's wife that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It was not Noah's sons that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And it was not, it was not Noah's daughter-in-laws that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But the Bible plainly states that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This lets me know that, that for us as fathers and leaders of our home, 
it is very important that we as fathers would find grace in the eyes of the Lord. Because as we as fathers find grace in the eyes of the Lord, our whole family is sheltered by the grace that God sees in each and every one of us. I believe that our stability and our faithfulness and our commitment to our family and to our God will influence our family to be the people that God has called them to be. I want to tell you today, that is the greatest Bible that your children will ever read in their life is when they read and inspect and know your life and your love and your dedication to God. It's a little bit quiet in here today, but I, I, I come to try to help us for a few moments today. Noah found grace, and Noah's grace that, that he found in the eyes of the Lord affected his entire family. There's a lot to be said about leadership, and I believe this 100%, that God's biblical plan in the Word of God When we read the Word of God, God's plan for the household is the man to be the head of the house. I know that scares some of you men to death because you can't say amen, but it's still the truth. That's what God has called you to be. God did not call you to be a dictator. He called you to be a leader. Amen. You see, some people get this confused with a dictatorship. We did not marry into a dictatorship. That I'm the only one that can say anything and I'm the only one that has any authority or any say-so. Or uh, It's just my... I, I tell you what, it's a good thing some women's got a little brain on their shoulder because some men would be in a terrible fix with some of the decisions that they make in life. But God has still called you as a man to be the leader of your household. This means leadership not only in telling somebody what to do. And I can remember uh, my daddy saying this over and over and over again. He'd point out all them girls sitting over there. He said, you see all these boys sitting across this front row? Even these little guys right here. They're thinking of the day that they grow up. And they marry a girl and they can tell her what to do. All these guys, they got it on their mind. Yeah, she's going to do what I tell you. I'm going to be the man. But I want to tell you, before you can take that authority, first of all, you've got to get the help and the strength and the grace from God at an altar. If you can't go to the altar, don't even try to tell somebody how to live their life. Well, that's good preaching right there. Amen. First of all, before Noah was an art builder, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah, God gave Noah a plan to build an ark for what? Have you read the story? What it was for? For the saving of his household. Why? Because Noah had found grace. God said, I am going to destroy mankind off of the face of the earth. I'm going to wipe them off of the face of the earth. But when God's anger cooled down just a little bit, he said, oh, I forgot about Noah. Noah, he didn't forget about Noah's family. He didn't forget about Noah's children. He didn't forget about Noah's wife. But he forgot about Noah. And when he looked at Noah, Noah found grace in the eyes of Noah. God said, oh, I can't, I can't destroy. I can't destroy the righteous with the ungodly. And so God gave who? Noah, a plan for the saving of his household. I want to tell you, men, it's time that every man in this place realize that you have a responsibility. It's just like the song said a while ago. There is little feet that's following you. 
I heard a song that is not religious, but I'll, I'll share it. And I know that you've probably heard it too around Father's Day and they often play it. And, uh, I, I, I heard this and it kind of caught my, my attention that this, this boy and, uh, his, his dad was riding down the road in a car. And I don't know, I can't remember if somebody pulled out in front of them or somebody did something and, and it kind of ticked them off a little bit. And the little boy was sitting over there and he used some little word that was not very nice at all. And his daddy looks over there at his son and says, where did you learn to talk like that? And the boy looks back at his daddy and says, I learned to talk like that from you. A lot of our bad habits are transferred to the next generation. Well, praise God. Amen. A lot of our bad in, our, our bad things that we do influences our children to do and be what they are, are becoming in life. And so it is very important that we as adults understand and know without a shadow of a doubt that God has called us to do more than just to breathe good, clean, godly air. God has called us to reveal this glorious truth to the next generation. And I want to say this today. It does not matter. It does not matter if we save the entire world. Our first priority is right here in this house today. That's what God has called us to do. If we ever needed a revival, we needed a revival in our homes of understanding that God has given us a great responsibility, parents, to see the salvation of our children. Amen. Noah found grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, now Noah comes back from talking to God. And he walks in and he sees his wife, his son, and his daughter-in-laws. And he tells them, I've been talking to God. God's been talking to me. Now, I want to ask every father in this place today, if you walked into your house and you said... Wife and kids, come here, sit down. You sit down in the living room and you look at them and say, I've been talking to God and God talked to me today. What would be the response of your wife and what would be the response of your children? Would they be shocked like, or would they be, daddy talked to God? Are you serious? Are you serious? You're trying to convince me that you've been talking to God? This lets me know that it was not Noah's first conversation with God. And it lets me know that there was no shock when he came in and told his wife and his children, I've been talking to God and God talked to me. And God told me to build an ark. Now, what is it? If, if you come into your house and you told your wife and your children, God's been talking to me. God told me he's going to destroy the world. And God told me to build an ark. Now, really, what would their response be? Would they say, I believe in your relationship enough with God. And I believe in your past history of your prayer life, in your dedication and your commitment to God. And I know that when you say you've talked to God, you've talked to God. Or would they say, man, this guy has been out drinking or smoking something that has really messed up his mind. He has not heard from God and he's not... He's not, he's not even making sense anymore. Or would they have faith enough in your relationship with God to believe what you said that God told you? 
See, what we have today so many times is we have, we have parents that are convenient parents. When parenting is convenient, that's when they want to be a parent. When it's handy for them, that's when they want to be a parent. When it comes to shut up, sit down, and listen, and don't you move, and don't you talk, I want to be a parent. But when it comes to living the life as an example before them, you know the way your parent, your children learn how to submit is the way that you submit. You know the way your children learn how to be faithful to the house of God is the way that you're faithful to the house of God. You know the way your children learn how to respect authority is the way that you respect authority. So when Noah comes in and he tells his family, I've been talking to God, God never one time spoke to his wife and he never one time spoke to his children and he never one time spoke to his daughter-in-laws. But he did speak to Noah. And Noah said, we're going to build an ark. And you know who worked on the ark? Noah's family. We look at, we look at Noah as like, man, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that he was a preacher of righteousness. We look at him for working and laboring for 120 years and never having a convert. How many times you ever heard that Noah never had a convert? Noah preached and never had a convert. Noah, Noah done this and never had a convert, although he did. He had the greatest converts that had ever been in his life. And that was his wife, his three children, and his daughter-in-laws. That's who got on the boat along with all the animals that God had sent. He was convincing enough in his relationship with God that his children never had to hear from God. They never had to feel God. They never had to hear the voice of God All they needed was the voice of Noah saying, God said it's going to rain. God said he's going to destroy the earth with water. God said every breathing sort is going to die. God said that we are to build an ark. God said we're to build it out of gopher wood. God said we're to put rooms in it. God said one door. God said one window. And whatever God told Noah, that's what they were willing to do. Now, I want to tell you, in raising a family, raising a family, raising a family, raising a family, especially when there are four girls, raising a family, it's not always the easiest thing to convince them. It's hard for us to agree even on a restaurant that we're going to go to. What about Redwood? What about Cedar? What about Oak? What about this? Why can't we just paint it and sit a pitch it? Why can't we do it like this? Why can't we put two windows, another window? Man, with them daughter-in-laws, don't you know? Well, we need more than one window in there. Well, we need a door on the front, on the back, and on each side. It would make it more convenient for people to come in and out. We need, we need a bigger door where we can allow all the animals in. We need this where this can happen and that where that can happen. No, God did not have to explain it to anybody else. God gave Noah. You see what I'm saying here today is, men, you need a relationship so strong and so close to God that you are the leader, not only physically, not only the man, but you are the man of God that teaches your children how to live for God, how to serve God, how to worship God, how to be what God has called them to be. Amen. I want to tell you all you young guys it's, and gals, it's marrying age. Listen to me, until you can fulfill what God has called you to be, don't get in a relationship and mess some girl up. Until you can learn that you've got to have a prayer life with God. That you are responsible for your family. 
Amen. There are men that are great providers, but they're not any great spiritual leader. There are men that will work hard and work long and work hours. But let me tell you, at the end of the road, your family's not going to thank you for all the overtime that you work. At the end of the road, they're not going to thank you for all the times that you missed because you had a job. And I think every man needs a job. Don't don't misunderstand me. But some of this thing that we bring on ourselves is self-inflicted because we take it because we need more money to do to do this and to have that and to provide here. Amen. But I want to tell you, are we providing spiritually like God has called us to provide? Amen. Money is nice, but there's something that money cannot buy and money cannot buy time and money cannot buy happiness and money cannot bring back lost opportunity so i encourage you be a man like noah and learn how to serve god and learn how to be a holy man and learn how to be a righteous man and learn how to be a godly man that your family will feel good about following Amen. Amen. Help us, God. A man like Noah. Noah, an art builder. But I want us to look at Noah a little bit different. This congregation today. That the next time Noah comes up in the subject, it's no longer Noah just an art builder. It's no longer that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But it's Noah the family man. Noah the man that had a relationship that was so strong with God that he convinced his entire family to be saved. Amen. A lot of us would count success as how many friends we have or how many people we could get on the boat. Amen. But Noah, I don't think he hung his head because a world would not repent. He said, God, I've been man enough. I've been godly enough. I've been righteous enough. I've been holy enough. I've been a good enough example that all of my children are inside the ark of safety. Let me tell you that, men, you won't get that respect by carousing around. You won't get that respect by snooping around on the internet. You won't get that respect by dragging in late for church. It's hard to tell your family you need to go to prayer meeting when they don't see you at prayer meeting. It's hard to tell your family, and this this is what I say, this is what I say. I, I lead, I try my best to lead by an example. Amen. I was teaching a class the other day. To, uh, to adult men. And I said, there won't ever be a time, never, 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 amen, I, I, that I can remember. Now, I've, I've had some times that I had to shout when I didn't feel like shouting. But my wife is never going to outshout me. Well, praise God. Amen. My wife is never going to outpray me. Now, I have to admit, I have lost in fasting a few times. It's because she's hard-headed and God has to make her fast longer than He does me. After about three or four hours, God can tell me anything He wants to tell me. I'm an open book. I'm ready to confess all kinds of stuff. I'll tell God things I didn't even do. Amen. Just let me have something to eat. But I want to tell you, men, are you willing to take that challenge? Ooh. Are you willing to take that challenge that that my wife will never, never pray more than I do? My wife is never going to worship God more than I do. But oh man, we want to bow up and tell them how great and how big and how powerful we are. I'm the man. Before you can be a man, you have to learn how to submit. 
to authority that God has placed in your life. Ain't no preacher going to tell me what to do. And then you want to tell somebody what to do? Ain't the preacher's business. And then you want to tell somebody else their business? A man like Noah. What kind of man was Noah? What kind of man are we today? When my family sees me, what do they see? My wife and my children know me more than anybody else in this place today. They know who I really am. They see me on an everyday basis. And when I have the opportunity, and I've had my children to reflect on our lives, the greatest compliment that I've ever gotten from anybody is from my children when they say, I want to find a man like my daddy. That's the greatest compliment I think that any man that's raising a family could ever have. More than being the highest paid on the job. More than the greatest position in the world. More than money in the bank. Fathers, be what God has called you to be. And wives, allow the father to be the father. In saying this, I'm, I'm, I'm closer to being done than what you think, but I'm not quite there yet. But in saying all of this, don't expect perfection out of your husband before he can have any kind of leadership in your lives. The only perfect man they hung on a tree. The rest of us are full of imperfections. We have faults and we have failures and we have shortcomings. A man like Noah that heard from God, that brought the message to his family, that built the ark that God had called him to be build, that preached for 120 years that he was a preacher of righteousness. A man that all the animals come and follow He got on the ark and God caused it to rain and destroyed the earth. And then all the water started to go away. A man like Noah that had such a relationship with God, you know the first thing he did when he got off of the ark? He planted him a vineyard and he got drunk. Now, I'm not condoning sin. And I'm not condoning faults. And I'm not looking past failures. But in all of our lives of being the man, men that God has called us to be, we have all had faults. We have all had failures. And I don't think, now we don't hear anything else about Noah's life after this point. But I don't think that his wife said, Okay, Mr. Noah, you've messed up. You'll never lead this family again. But no, she realized he's a man. Although he's a righteous man. Although he's a holy man. Although he's a man that has a relationship with God. He has still made mistakes. A man like Noah gets back up and dusts himself off and gets back under the load of being the leader that God has called him to be and continues on doing the work of God. But there are some women that they say they forgive, but they never forget. Ooh, man. Father's Day, 2018. 
It's so quiet in the church, you can hear a rat licking ice. But it's still true anyway. It's still the fact anyway. If you said you forgive and you've chosen to live with that individual, you've still got to submit, okay, I know things hasn't went according to plan. I know we've got out of the will of God. I know we've messed up. But still, I want you to be the man of God of our household. And let him go back to the altar. And when he goes back to the altar, don't hold a bunch of garbage over the top of his head. But let a man repent. Because God knows you hadn't been perfect all your life either. (laughs) Well, praise God. Is that good preaching? How many wants to be a man like Noah? Amen. I want to be a man that God has called me to be. Such responsibility. And I encourage you men, look at the responsibility. Because more than likely, the success of your family depends on your success and your living for God. And if they serve God. And I want to tell you the greatest, the greatest thing, the greatest thing in my life, the most important thing in my life is my wife and my girls and my family serving God more than anything in this world. I'd rather have them serving God than making more money than Donald Trump. Boy, I shouldn't have said that word. And Lord, but I'd rather have them. I would rather have them serving God than making more money than Bill Gates. I'd rather have them serving God than than playing for the Los Angeles Lakers. I'd rather have them serving God than playing for the Dallas Cowboys. That's the most important thing in our lives today. And so how do we do that? We do that by being the example that God has called us to be. I want to ask you a question today. Have you ever led your family? I don't need any response. But have you as a man ever walked into your house and said, Okay, family, we're going to have family prayer time right now. In the house. Has you, have you as a father ever walked into the house and said, you know, I know you hear Brother Looper teach and preach on these things, but we're going to open the Bible tonight and, and we're going to go over some things that we believe. And we're going to read some scripture. Have you ever done that? Oh, that's, that's so silly. No, it's not silly. That's not important. Yes, it is important. They need the confirmation that you are with the pulpit. They need the confirmation coming from you because like it or not, I can only influence your children as much as you allow me to. You're going to have more influence in their life than I ever will have in their life. And if I could influence you to influence them, I am really influencing them through you. A man like Noah was not the first time that he had heard from God. Was not the first time that he come in from a hard day work and told his family, I've been talking to God. But it was something they I feel that they were very accustomed to. That Noah had a relationship with God as they come to the music today. If there's ever been a time in society where parents, dads need to be involved in their families, we are 
definitely living in that time. I told you, I mentioned this just the other day when I was dealing some, with some internet issues. I mentioned about myself doing a in-house survey. I want to share that with you again. I asked each one of my children, my four girls, I said, I want you to write down the five most impressionable things about me or about the family and our things that I have done for you. I want you to write them down. I want you to take your time. I want you to think about it. I want you to take your time and I want you to write down these things. So out of the 20, actually it was 21 things because one of them filled out a list that had six things on it of the most important things that, that we have done or I had done for them. At that time, I had bought and bought, excuse me, bought two cars. One for Tiffany and, or one for Tammy and one for Tiffany. And you know, I was expecting these things to be on the very top of the list of the most amazing things that Daddy had ever done. When I got the list and I started going over it, I was shocked. I didn't tell them what to say. They wasn't just saying things that they thought that I was looking for because they had no idea what I was doing. I, I don't think at the time I ever had any idea that I would ever use a survey. I was just kind of doing something personal. Well, I guess kind of like the boy that called in and said he was looking for a job just to see what they said about him. And uh, so when I got the list, I started going over it. Out of 21 things that was written on the list, 17 of those things were nothing to do with what I bought them. But it was the time that I spent with them. The places that we went together. The enjoyment that we had together as a family are just together with them. You know... One, surely. And I think, what's number one in our life we take for granted so much? How many today has grown kids? Just yesterday, my wife was walking down the aisle carrying one of our children. Now, she's a grandma walking down the aisle carrying a grandson. Time flies. Time's things that we can't get back. Daddy, you can't take it back. You can't take it back. But you can take advantage of the time that you have now. And I encourage you to be the influence that God has called you to be. Knock a day off of overtime. And just show up and say, we're going to spend this day together. It's just me and you. Oh, that's not a manly thing. I don't have money. I was talking last night at a father and daughter banquet and I, I said, you know, these, I, I brought out two books that my girls had put together for me, pictures of things that we had done. I said, there's no telling how much money that's spent making those albums. Not that they spent, but I spent making those memories. But you know, you don't have to have money to make memories. Just time. Just time. Just time. As I think back on my life, and I think about the most important things that my daddy 
ever gave me in life. It wasn't a new truck. It wasn't a Corvette. It wasn't boats. It wasn't shotguns. But it was times, you know, some of the fondest times that I can remember. My daddy sitting in a tree stand. And me sitting on the ladder below him. Leaned up against the ladder. Waiting on a deer to come out. Some of the fondest memories is being in Colorado hunting. And me following behind him. Toting his gun, trying to step in his footsteps. And thinking, man, he can take such big steps. Man, his feet are so big. And trying to follow those footsteps. Of times at church, worshiping and praising, magnifying God. The little things that he taught me just... Very quietly, very subtle. He wasn't even really talking to me. He was just living life. But in living life, He was teaching lessons that I still cling to today. Messages that he preached, I didn't even know I was listening to. And I can be studying the Bible and these things start coming to my memory. I can remember. I can remember him saying that. I can remember him telling me that. One thing that I can always remember, and I've shared this with some of you. I said, somebody was, man here was giving me, some books and said, what do you think about this? Well, it's false religion. And he said, why don't, why don't you read this and tell me what you think about it? I read the opening, the opening statement of that book and immediately my mind goes back to things that my daddy had taught me. He said, son, don't ever study false religion because there's spirits that goes with false religion. He said, always study the doctrine. And when you're rooted and grounded in a doctrine, there's spirits that comes with that, which is a good spirit, and you will not be led away with false doctrine. There's little things that he didn't even realize he was teaching me through life that has become lifelong lessons that I have gleaned from. So let me tell every daddy in this place today, you're teaching a lesson every day that you live. You're teaching a lesson. Make sure it's one that you want your children to learn. Make sure it's one that you want them to hold on to. Make sure it's one that you want them to grasp hold of. The cars that he bought me would be old. Although they might be more valuable even if I would have kept them. But the memories is something that no matter how old they get, they're still so wonderful to look back on. As I close today, I want to share something with you that I just picked up on the other day I thought was so neat. There was a man that was a public speaker he was at a speaking engagement in New York. Did not live there, but he was just there speaking. He had his daughter with her with him, and it happened just happened that he was speaking that engagement 
on his daughter's first birthday. I think at Fifth Avenue, the corner, something, something. They, his wife said, "Well, it's her birthday, so why don't you hold her and let's take a picture." And so they took a picture, and the next year was about her birthday again. Wife said, "You know," said, "Why don't y'all make this a yearly event?" And said, "Every year y'all go back to New York together, and that same spot." And you take a picture. As the picture goes, you can see the girl growing. The daddy's holding her. She's a teenager and he's holding her. She's an older teenager and she's as big as he is and he's holding her. Taking the picture. He said, those pictures are the, the, the most valuable pictures that he owns. Because it tells a story of life. He said, up until then, I was always a photographer. And I liked to take pictures. I was never in the picture. Because I always liked to take the picture. He said, and this is what I want to leave with you today. He said, so what I want you to do is, the next time, you just ask a stranger... To take the picture. And you get in the picture. So if I can leave anything with you fathers today. It's time for you as a man. It's time for you as a father. Get in the picture. Get in the picture. Get in the picture of your children's life. Get in the picture of your wife's life. Get in the picture of your home's life. Get in the picture of a relationship with God. Just get in the picture. Because time is something we'll never get back. And all of you that has grown kids, it's gone. They tell me that an empty nest gets lonely. I don't know what I'll do when I come in and the lights are turned off and (coughs) the cabinet doors are shut. The door to the house is not open. There's not four or five other Girls from the church at my house. There's not clothes scattered all over the place. Their mama's going picking up. Reality, I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss that. And some of you know you miss it. But I want to be forever the influence that has influenced them like a man Noah influenced his family. You know the reason why I love God? is because my daddy loved God. You know the reason why I preach this Bible? This is what my daddy preached. You know the reason why I love this truth? Because that's what my daddy loved. Let's all stand today. As we close this service, I know this has probably not been the greatest Father's Day sermon. I hope that it's been an effective Father's Day sermon. And only time will tell. But right now, I would like every father to find your children, find your wife, and you lead them to this altar as a man. Maybe you've had faults. 
Maybe you've had failures. But I want every wife in this place today to realize he don't have to be perfect. He just has to follow God. And there's times that he's going to fall. There's times that he's going to make mistakes. But continue to follow him as he follows Christ. And if he's repented, let him repent. Let him continue on serving God. To every father today, get in the picture. Get in the picture.